One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. What do you do when you're dating a married woman who says they're getting a divorce, but you're not quite sure if you can trust them? We'll get into that in a bit, but first. Feeling emotionally devastated and like a failure for kicking out my 19-year-old former foster daughter and her boyfriend. Hello Reddit, I, female, 47, am suffering and I would like to hear anyone's comments on how I can learn or grow from this experience. Should I try and re-establish a relationship with my goddaughter, now 19-year-old female, or should I continue detaching and keep her at arm's length? Ten years ago, I was a foster parent to a little girl who I call my goddaughter. She was 9 years old at the time. She was adopted by another family after I moved out of state, but we kept in touch for all those years. Her adopted parents kicked her out when she was 17. I supported her financially for over a year, sending her money every week for food and necessities as she bounced around with biological relatives. I bought her a phone and paid for her phone plan for two years. I bought her a laptop so she could finish high school online during the pandemic. When she turned 18, I flew across the country to help her get her state ID and find her first job. I waited until she was 18 so that her biological parents couldn't accuse me of meddling, even though they had thrown her out one year earlier. I paid my goddaughter's rent for four months as she started to get on her feet. When I stopped paying her rent, she moved in with her boyfriend's family, but within months she was kicked out of the boyfriend's house for repeatedly losing her temper and finally threatening a household member. I told her that I couldn't afford to pay her rent again, but that she could live with me for free. She said she would only move across the country to stay with me if her boyfriend could join, and I said yes. From the beginning, I made the mistake of not implementing consequences. I didn't set rules beyond the basic rules in place by my landlord. Quiet after 10pm, absolutely no drugs in the house. I wanted to treat them as adults and give them real life skills for living independently. Also, it occurred to me that they would not follow basic rules of courtesy and respect. I didn't want to be a parent, and I learned quickly that they didn't want to recognize me as an authority figure. I wanted them to be in the driver's seat, with plenty of support from me behind them. I didn't want to police them and discipline them. Eventually, I realized that they needed a lot more guidance and structure than I could give them. We spoke at length about how they were staying as my guests in order to prepare to live independently. It wasn't a long-term arrangement, and they couldn't stay with me if they weren't working or going to school. I met with them every couple of weeks to go over their finances and goals. I was alarmed at how much money they were spending, especially on legal marijuana, and this became a point of contention. Well, they did probably what any 18 and 19-year-old couple would do when given free room and board in a new state where marijuana is legal. They quickly learned how to get medical marijuana cards to buy pot even though they were under 21. I made it very clear that they could not smoke pot in my house and that I would never buy it for them, so they spent a lot of time smoking outside. They found jobs quickly and together worked part-time at a job that started in the early evening and ended late at night. From the beginning, they understood that a part-time job was not enough and that I needed them to work full-time in order to stay with me, but they never got a second job. They never paid any rent and I never asked them to. I paid all the bills and I also paid for all of their groceries. However, they spent a ton of money on clothes and by door dashing fast food. When they did extra chores around the house, such as yard work, I paid them. I was doing everything I could to help them make and save money. 
Slowly, they became less and less courteous housemates. They went from being quiet and considerate to playing loud music and making a ton of noise in the kitchen at midnight on the nights when they got home late from work. I suspect that being high played a large part in their lack of awareness and getting the munchies. Then my goddaughter was fired for losing her temper with the manager at work. For the next two months, she did not have a steady job, although she went to several interviews. Then I learned that the boyfriend told his manager that he only wanted to work part-time hours, four days per week, so that he could spend three days of quality time with his girlfriend. They continued to smoke pot daily, not in the house, and by the time I saw them in the evenings when I got home from work, I could barely have a conversation with them. They went for walks to get high first thing when they woke up. Eventually, I had to ask them specifically not to get high before our family meetings. In our family meetings, we discussed the need for them both to work full-time or more than one part-time job. I told them that I was letting them live with me for free specifically so that they could use this time to work as much as possible. I pointed out to them that they were spending every penny that they made and that they weren't going to be able to afford an apartment anytime soon. The boyfriend grew to resent me, butting into their business, and he became dismissive and rude to me. They bristled and told me how they didn't have to answer to me or follow my advice whenever I told them that I didn't agree with what they were doing or pointed out how they weren't progressing towards their goal of living independently. They began having loud arguments with each other and I had to intervene on a couple of occasions when it became physical on my goddaughter's part. If he had hit her, I would have thrown him out. Maybe that's unfair, but my goddaughter is the one who I've loved for a decade and I would do anything to protect. After the second physical altercation, again my goddaughter aggression toward him, I told them in no uncertain terms that I would not live with that kind of chaos and disruption. The next physical fight would be their last in my home. Also, I made it clear to them that my landlord lives in the other half of the house, and that my lease was in jeopardy if they disturbed the landlord with loud fighting. So here is where the crap hit the fan. One day, they had a verbal argument with each other, stemming from one of our discussions about money. The boyfriend was rude, and quickly it devolved into my goddaughter blowing up at me, throwing things, and physically threatening me. At that point, I felt I had no choice but to kick them out. If I let either of them behave that way towards me, they would not respect me whatsoever, and living conditions would get worse. Of course, I knew that my goddaughter has a temper, and that she had gotten into physical altercations with other people, but she has never treated me this way whatsoever. I was in shock. I didn't lose my cool. I didn't yell at them or say anything disrespectful, but I told them they had to move out that same day. I told them I would pay for their airline tickets to fly back to their home state so they could live with friends or family, and that I would also pay to ship all their belongings to them. To my surprise, they wanted to stick around and slept in their car for about three weeks. They repeatedly asked if they could come back to live with me, but I said no. They came to my home a few times to get some of their belongings, and they were absolutely horrible to me. They both sent me terrible texts where they called me every name you could think of and told me that I was a bad person who didn't care about them at all. I didn't make it easy for them while they were living in their car, because I wanted to put the pressure on them to move back to their home state so they could live with friends or family. I live in a high cost of living area, and there was no way they could support themselves here. Examples of me not making it easy for them to stay in this area while they were living in their car? When they asked if they could take showers at my house, I said no. There are public beaches here with showers. 
Also, I sent them links for emergency shelters, etc. And I never answered the door when they showed up without contacting me first to set up a time. I had the locks changed immediately. So, three weeks after I kicked them out, they told me that they wanted to go back home. As I promised, I paid for their tickets and shipped their stuff back to them. I still feel terrible because I know that I reactivated my goddaughter's abandonment issues. I'm sure she felt betrayed and was very hurt. Certainly, she was extremely angry. She told me that she always had thought she could trust me, but that she would never trust me again and that I'd had to let her down like every other parental figure. Knowing that I caused a child who trusted me to feel this way ripped my heart open. I've been devastated emotionally for almost a year. I realize now that part of being a great foster mom and knowing that I was making a difference in her life was a big part of my identity. It's hard for me to live with myself, knowing that I purposely made two teenagers homeless. Although I've been an emotional wreck, I instantly realized how much of a relief it was to not have them living with me. My place is small and three adults was a very tight quarters. I enjoy the peace and quiet too. I take responsibility for setting the stage for them to get away with bad behavior. As the adult, I feel like I should have been able to de-escalate that final argument. But in reality, and from what all my family and friends who were familiar with the situation assured me, I should have kicked them out long before I did. However, I'm feeling terrible about how it went down. Maybe I should have given them a few weeks advance notice when I wanted them to leave. They were my guests, not renters. So there was no legal obligation for me to give advance notice. They weren't paying rent and their names weren't on the lease, although I told my landlord that they lived with me. But their fights with each other and eventually my goddaughter physically threatening me was the last straw. And realistically, they wouldn't have been much better off having advance notice because they wouldn't have had enough to live on their own, even if they saved every penny they made for two to three months due to them working less than 20 hours per week combined. Since I kicked them out, I hear from my goddaughter sporadically when she needs something. I've made it clear that I will never send her money again. However, in not so many words, she asks or expects me to pay for things when she contacts me for advice. Now, I realize that I fell for this ploy a lot in the past. No more. For my own mental health, I do not initiate any contact with her, but I'm heartbroken about losing her. When she contacts me and I respond by asking how they're doing, where they're living, or what jobs they're working, she doesn't respond or just says a one or two word answer. She doesn't ask how I'm doing. I am emotionally eviscerated from losing my relationship with her and feeling like I was used and also for feeling like I should have somehow made it work. For 10 years, I did everything I could to support her and I was there when she needed me most. She was a very positive part of my life. Now I've lost respect for her and I'll never trust her again. She has never apologized for her behavior or for the terrible things she said. I still love her and of course I only want the best for her but detaching from her has been grueling and very sad. Has anyone had a similar experience and how did you get through it? What can I learn from this so that I can set better boundaries in the future? Should I try to reestablish a relationship with my goddaughter or should I continue to detach? and keep her at arm's length. I definitely understand the hurt OP's having in this situation. If you care about this person and you still care about their well-being, 
I don't think you have to completely cut them off. Really, it's all gonna come down to what the goddaughter wants. Is she going to want to have a relationship with you after what happened? Whether she does or does not, it's not a reflection of OP being a bad person or having done the right or the wrong thing. It's just, considering everything that went down, it's a personal decision for the goddaughter at this point whether or not they can move past it or see that OP does care. I don't think it's worth cutting them off. I think OP should always try to be receptive or engaging as far as talking, as long as they want that. I think OP just needs to keep in mind that they were just doing what they felt was the best for them. Our next story is... I, female 29, don't want to spend time with my in-laws, male 65, and female 60, every weekend. I married my husband, male 32, shortly after having our daughter, who's now 7 months old. Throughout my pregnancy and my daughter's infancy so far, we've maintained a habit of seeing my in-laws, male 65 and female 60, at least once a week. The activities vary, but we usually spend a minimum of 2 hours with them, We're often joined by his siblings as well. I'm a huge introvert. Prior to having a baby and getting married, I loved getting to spend my time however I wanted to over the weekend. Cleaning, hiking, camping, painting, spontaneous trips, sleeping in. Obviously, these things are harder with an infant, but I don't mind that much. I would love to enjoy the same activities with my husband and daughter, but my husband always wants to invite his family. I love my husband's family and I get along with them most of the time, but I am annoyed that I have to factor in time for them every weekend. I realize they're used to seeing my husband frequently and of course they want to see their granddaughter as much as possible, but every weekend feels too often to me. I don't even see my own family that frequently and they live just as close. At this point I'm harboring feelings of resentment towards them and my husband. Between the hustle of the work week, The last thing I want to feel is like I'm obligated to spend limited free time with other people. I wish every weekend was completely ours, where my husband and I can relax, catch up on chores, and plan fun outings for ourselves with our daughter. My husband works with his family and would be perfectly happy spending all his free time hanging out with them. He doesn't understand why I feel the way I do. He feels like I'm trying to take him away from them, when really, all I want is a little space for us to enjoy our own new family. My life has changed so much since having a baby. Between the demands of working, chores, breastfeeding, and intermittent sleep, I feel like I sacrifice so much of myself all the time. Having to factor in my in-laws on top of it all is getting to me. I miss feeling in control of my own life. How do I compromise with my husband and his family while also honoring my own needs? So, personally, I sympathize with OP myself because I find myself to be a huge introvert. I thrive on me time. And I actually do see family every single week. But I completely understand where OP's coming from where, honestly, it does feel like it's kind of a lot. Even just once every other week could be a lot to some people. I think it's normal for a lot of people to see their family maybe once a month, if not less frequently than that. I just think it's unfair for them to not even like just request but expect OP to be hanging out with them every single week. OP does deserve to be able to have just a week to themselves, especially with a newborn baby. And I think, by God, don't let anybody shame you for wanting to take a week for yourself. Our next story is, I'm, male 29, in love with my friends with benefits, married friends, male 32 and male 30, and I don't know what to do. Please help. I can't even believe I'm writing this. This is the first time I've actually admitted it to anyone other than myself. 
I'm honestly shaking a little. Okay, context. Like three years ago, I got into a casual sexual relationship with this married couple, A and M. The details aren't really important, but we all very clearly all agreed we were just having some fun. Their commitment was to each other, first and always, and I was a guest. Sometimes I would join in for a night, but that was that. I understood that completely, and I was fine with it. They didn't want anything more, and neither did I. We didn't even meet up that often at first. Well, emphasis on the at first. Maybe a year into our arrangement. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And I had a really, really crappy day at work. All I had waiting for me at home was a microwave dinner for one and an early bedtime, and I was dreading it. It was a real low point for me. But lo and behold, God decided to throw me a bone. M texted asking me to come over. Honestly, even at the time, I knew it was a bad idea. I wasn't in the right headspace to be having feelings, free sex, or any sex to be honest. But I was sad and lonely and desperate for human contact, so I went anyways. And it was probably the nicest night I'd had in years. I'm sure they could tell I wasn't feeling my best, but instead of throwing me out or feeling weird, they just took care of me. They listened to me rant, and we watched a movie, and they made me soup. Soup! We didn't even do anything. But they let me stay the night anyways, and I went to bed. Their bed. Happier than I can remember being for a long time. In the morning, I had a minor freak out about the whole thing, and I ended up sneaking out before they woke up. I sent them some lame butt excuse and we didn't talk about it again, but then a couple of days later they texted me to come over and so I went over and we did our thing and I was so grateful that I hadn't freaked everything up by overstepping and I just wanted to get out of there before I did overstep. But then as I was getting up, A asked me to please stay the night, something about it not being safe to drive, and I said yes, like an idiot, a lonely, insecure desperate idiot. Everything feels like it went so fast after that. Suddenly I was going over the line all the time. Suddenly we were just hanging out just to enjoy each other's company. Suddenly I knew their favorite foods and movies and books and A hates almonds and M freaking loves Animal Crossing and that their dream vacation is to Italy and suddenly they were my best friends in the whole world. That was maybe two and a half years in. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have any family. I don't even have a pet. I have A and M and somehow that becomes everything. They were everything. I realized that literally standing in their kitchen. I remember the moment so clearly. It was kind of late in the evening so everything was all gold and glowy from the sunset. A was making pasta and M was teasing him about how he puts hot sauce on it. 
who puts hot sauce on pasta? And A says something like, well, something has to fight OP for the title of hottest thing in the room. And then he winked at me like an absolute dork and M laughed and I thought, freak, 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 freak. I'm so freaked and promptly fled. Like I always do, I made a freaking excuse and ran, again, and whoop de doo poor gay disaster fails literally the first rule of friends with benefits and promptly loses his crap. Great going. We made an agreement to be casual and I just immediately threw it away. I couldn't be around them anymore. Not when I was violating the only boundary that they ever gave me and they didn't even know it. Okay, so I ghosted them. Real mature, I know. Zero for three, ladies and gentlemen. They reached out a couple of times and even asked if something was wrong, but I just kept shooting them down. And you're probably reading this right now like, OP, what are you doing? How could this situation possibly get worse? Well, buckle up because it gets freaking worse. I got fired and then I got evicted. And then, faced with homelessness, I had to come crawling back to literally the only people I had in the world and beg them to take me in. They weren't even mad. How is that even possible? I ghost them, give them no explanation at all, and then ask them to let me sleep on their couch like a deadbeat? And they're not even mad. It's been three freaking months I'm still here. I'm literally on their couch right now. And as much as I wish I could say that I've talked to them, or kept my distance, or even stopped hooking up with them, I can't. I know it's selfish. It's so freaking selfish. I'm living with them and sleeping with them and going out with them to places and living out everything I've ever wanted, all while they're thinking they're just helping out a friend. They haven't asked me to leave, they haven't even mentioned it, but three months is still too long, I know that, and last week I got a job. I don't even have an excuse anymore. If I'm looking for a clean break, this is it. But I have so many complicated feelings about this that it's literally impossible for me to think rationally anymore. They're my most important people in the entire world. Losing them would freaking kill me. The few weeks I spent ignoring them were the worst of my life. I so badly want to just... just stay. Just keep my mouth shut and pretend for as long as they'll let me. I mean, they like me, we have fun, what they don't know won't hurt them. But how can I claim to love them if I think like that? If I really love them, then I don't need to do what's best for them. I'm deliberately breaking their trust. Their relationship is so, so important to them. They've been explicitly clear about that from the start, and I'm knowingly and deliberately infringing on that. They haven't even been on a date night since they took me in, but that means either telling them or ghosting them, and in both situations, I lose them. I don't know. I feel like I always do the wrong thing around them. I panic and run and everyone ends off worse for it. The more I type this, the more I feel like they might be better off without me in the first place. So please Reddit, help me. Do I tell them? Do I let them go? I'm so lost. Based on OP's actions and feelings and based on their actions, I feel like there's more going on on both sides that are not being communicated at all and I think OP would only be doing the right thing if they communicated how they felt about the situation. Let's be real, a thruple is pretty unconventional but it sounds like that's kind of what works for you guys so why not talk about it? If you get let down at least you know the truth instead of just walking away and ghosting again. Our next story is, should I tell that I miss him? So I, 24-year-old female, had the best night ever with this guy, 29-year-old male, two weeks ago. We already knew each other but never properly spoken and unexpectedly we made out in that party. He confessed indirectly that he had a crush on me, so after that he followed me on social media and we exchanged some messages about if we could meet again. 
We aren't talking by texting, we just occasionally text something random to each other and I'm fine with that. Most of the texts he initiated, and three days ago he texted me unexpectedly that he can't get me off his head. After that we didn't speak again, and I was thinking about sending him a message saying that I miss him. I want so bad to send him something sweet because he really made me very happy with that message, and that message would be 100% honest but I'm afraid I may sound clingy or needy. I searched for similar posts and everyone was saying that it may scare a guy. Now, let me tell you, in my opinion, if somebody texts you and says, I can't get you off of my head, I personally can't imagine a greener like to say, I miss you too, or I've been thinking of you too. How can you come off as clingy when they initiated with, I can't get you off of my head? This sounds like a huge connection on both sides. Why not communicate? This next story is, had a stroke, questioning my relationship. I, male 45, have a partner who lives with me, female 35, and we've talked about marriage. We've been together about a year. I've survived the stroke with relatively minor medical side effects. Since the stroke, I am less and less interested in this or any kind of romantic relationship, really. Three to four weeks ago, I was ready to start settling down. Now I want to explore casual dating and honestly shag everything that moves. My partner's upset because she says instead of taking the lesson that life is short and we should just get married, I've gone the complete opposite direction. All I want to do is build a better life, better lifestyle, lose weight, and eliminate every conceivable source of stroke recurrence. Because statistically, if I have another one, I'll be a prime candidate for Soylent Green. The obvious answer is break up and do what I feel I have to do, but strokes are literally brain damage. And I don't know if I can trust my own decision making anymore. I don't know if I really want what I have, or want what I don't have. Honestly, I think regardless of relationship choices, it sounds to me like getting married is honestly the last thing OP needs. In almost any situation, unless you literally need to for like, life-saving insurance purposes or forbid you need to get easier access to citizenship somewhere, I would say don't marry just for the sake of marrying if you're not into it. That just seems like awaiting a huge regret. I definitely would be no expert on answering, is this brain chemistry being different post this medical emergency a permanent thing, something to be concerned about? But if you're not feeling it, don't go forward with it. Our next story is, my boyfriend, 27-year-old male, moved in with friends and I, 27-year-old female, feel sad about it. My boyfriend and I recently celebrated our three-year anniversary and have both been living at home with our parents. For the past year, I've been bringing up the moving in together discussion to which he didn't feel ready for. We compromised and said we'd live together summer 2024. He decided that he wanted to move in with his friends this year so he could have one last year of living with friends before we move in together. He never felt the need to rent with friends until I brought up the whole living together conversation. He's now fully moved into his new place and I feel really down. I've been crying about it off and on really. I think about the situation in two ways. I don't feel as though I'm priority and that he puts his friends before me. I'm worried next year he might turn around and say he wants to continue to live with his friends instead of moving in together. I feel he's making good progress and this is a big step towards us moving in together next year. He's got a bit of Peter Pan syndrome and so perhaps him living with friends first is a good transition and he'll realize that growing up and doing adult things isn't so bad after all. To be honest, I never thought that I'd be 27 years old and still living at home. 
when we rent together next year, we'll both be nearly 29 years old and it just makes me feel nervous. I also feel some jealousy because I've been wanting to move out of my family home for the longest time. But I don't want to live with strangers, I wanted to live with him. I nearly bought a flat earlier this year on my own, but my boyfriend said I shouldn't necessarily assume he'd move into the flat with me once he's ready and that he might not want to live in that location. And so we'd need to rent my flat out and rent somewhere else together. It all sort of scared me and seemed too complicated, so I put the idea of me buying a place solo on hold. How do I be patient in this situation and stay positive about the future? I was meant to see his new place today, but I've been crying all morning, so I think we might see each other during the week instead. I know if I bring this up to him, he'll say that I'm not being supportive and making it all about me. I want to be supportive, but I can't help but feel sad. I mean, is in every other way OP completely satisfied in this relationship? Or is this like a sunk cost thing where they keep hanging on hoping that they're going to turn around and be perfect boyfriend that they're dreaming of while not having any reason to feel that hopeful? I'm not saying trash this or that it can't work out. I'm just thinking that this whole relationship needs some extra rethinking. I mean, OP stuck around for so long already hoping that they're gonna get things together. It's been three years and they haven't grown up. They might just be on two different wavelengths. I mean, fundamentally, it's okay to disagree about what you think the next step forward in your lives should be. It just doesn't really sound like there's much collaborative effort going on here or discussion. Our next story is, I, 37-year-old male, am dating a married woman, 40-year-old female, who seemed sweet and innocent and told me a believable story of how her husband doesn't love her or want her. I fell in love. She's filed for divorce, but I don't trust her. I've known this girl for over four years and have been dating her for over three months. She's married and filed for divorce after our relationship began. She told me that her husband had never been able to hook up with her and that he told her he wasn't attracted to her and didn't want to be with her anymore. I really liked her personality. She's beautiful and I fell for her quickly. After she told me about the situation with her husband, I thought to myself, how could anyone not love this sweet, innocent, and beautiful lady? We consider ourselves to be in an exclusive relationship and she wants to get married to me when her divorce is final. She stayed with me for three weeks straight, but now she's been going back and forth a lot because her divorce lawyer told her she couldn't move out yet. There are a few things which have popped up, which has really made her question if I can trust her. One, she found out her husband was cheating on her, filed for divorce, and is trying to get a decent amount of money from him. In her mind, she doesn't think she's cheating with me. She said stuff like, I don't cheat, so if you don't cheat, you and I will be good. I will admit, the way she described her marriage, I didn't feel like she was cheating on a loving husband, but I do think it may still be considered cheating. Two, I saw her texting someone on her phone and saw a kiss emoji in the conversation. I told her I wanted to see the conversation and she at first wouldn't show me but then she let me look at it after I got mad. It was a guy in a different city 9 hours away where she used to live. One of the messages I saw said something like, If we had more time that night, your legs would have been open. And her reply was, I don't open my legs that easily or something along those lines. She said she sends kiss emojis to her old guy friends and that isn't flirting to her and that she isn't going to stop. I've also noticed that she's talking to a lot of her old guy friends, telling them about the divorce and how her husband was cheating on her is the reason she's getting a divorce. She stated to me how she's told several of them and how they've told her how stupid her husband is for cheating on her and can't believe he wouldn't want that beautiful body. 
3. Last week, she told me she was having a Skype birthday party with family members in different countries. She said she would come see me at 9 or 9.30pm. I waited and didn't hear from her, called around midnight and didn't get an answer. She ended up showing up at 1.54am and stated that the party went on longer than expected and she'd had so much fun she didn't think to call or text me to let me know she was going to be late. I told her that I didn't believe that and had never heard of an online birthday party lasting 5 or 6 hours. She stated that people from her country party until they're exhausted and can't go anymore and it's not like parties in the United States. I wanted to see proof and she stated that she would never show me proof of anything going forward. I've definitely fallen in love with her and have developed an emotional connection. However, my gut tells me this isn't right. What should I do? So, personally, just based off of everything OP said here, I know if I were in that situation, I don't think I would be able to keep going forward. It just seems too blatant that you don't have a full idea of what the heck is going on between her and her friends. It seems like she lives a whole double life with you. She kind of has this little window with you and then has her whole life she won't open up about elsewhere with other people. And the most important thing to me is her getting defensive and saying, I'll never show you proof of anything going forward. Well, if it were up to me, I would absolutely not go forward at all. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy relationship question, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.